Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hey, kid. How you doing over there? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I mean, this is kind of a bizarre season I'm starting to realize because first of all, there's no consistency with episode length. Some of them are half an hour episodes. Some of them are hour episodes, which obviously we're only realizing now as we're going back and recapping. But did we realize that at the time? I mean, I obviously have no memory, but it's so interesting to me, not even from the perspective of them and the content they're putting out. It is so weird to me from a network perspective. Like, wasn't there a show on after? Right. That's the thing. And also the other thing that I'm realizing with this season is that the inconsistency in terms of the depth of plot lines, which I know is not limited to this season. I mean, it even happens in some of the more recent seasons, but some of them are fully filler, 100% bullshit. You can't even believe that it passed the production test. And then some of them are so representative of what was actually going on at the moment. So we're kind of just bouncing all over the place here. I can't believe they got away with putting out an episode where the only two plot lines are that Rob looks for a job and Kim finds a dog. The only reason they got away with it was because of the scene of him going into all the different office buildings in that suit looking so hot. Yeah, that's exactly correct. Like, I'm sorry, Kim, you and that chihuahua are not not carrying that episode. No, absolutely not. So what we're doing today kind of as a way to work with the season is we're doing three episodes in one. And for the first two, I'm sure we'll just breeze right through them. It's not going to be a scene by scene thing, even though we have all of the scenes written out. And then we'll spend most of our time, I think, on episode eight. I actually thought episode eight was great and really good in terms of things that we talk about because it was all about their dynamic. I so agree. And I feel like a lot of times when we talk about Kendall and Kylie in terms of their presence in the earlier seasons, they're not only background characters, but A lot of it is kind of just, we like watching them at that age because clearly it's so different than how we know them now, but not that much of it is their interactions or their fights. And this was really centered around that. 
Oh, totally. And this is really the first time where you see them coming into themselves. Like you said, most of the plot points that included them previously were they were just the background characters. And it was interesting to see they the way they interacted with the rest of the family and the way they kind of stepped in in their roles. But this was just strictly them and their relationship and like the start of the trajectory of them becoming Kendall and Kylie, like their careers, the things that they were interested in wanted to do. Like this episode centered around the first time that Kendall said that she wanted to be a model. Like that is a huge starting point within the family. It really is. It's, it's unbelievable actually to watch some of these episodes when you know where they are now, strictly from a career perspective. And I think, you know, Kendall probably the most because hers is exactly where she started in terms of the same type of career path. Whereas, you know, yes, Kim, we see her first real venture was with her perfume. And of course, a huge part of her business is her perfume and her beauty brand, but it's built into so many other things. Whereas Kendall, she probably had, I guess you could call it the most straight and narrow path out of all of them career-wise. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So this first episode, episode six, like I said, breezing right through it, two major things. The first was Kim finding this dog and Historically, as we know, she's not a dog person, but she develops this liking towards it and she wants to attempt to nurse it back to health. And then secondly, we see Caitlin just growing increasingly frustrated with Rob and him not working. And so, you know, we see Rob going to Courtney and Courtney setting him up with some job interviews. And as I mentioned earlier, that beautiful montage of Rob walking in and out of those office buildings in those suits, just looking so sexy. Why didn't he just model at this point? Yeah, it's it was a bit of a missed opportunity. Seriously, like he could have just been set. He could have just modeled and been fine. It was so strange to me to watch him figure out another path in life. I think the thing for him, it wasn't that he didn't have a desire to, you know, have a career in business. I think it was more so just timing-wise. He wanted some more time to chill before he had to do that. That's where I think the disconnect was. I don't know because in later seasons, like Yes and no. I think he had a desire to get out and do his job and use his degree and put it to good use. But I think there was also this huge overwhelming part of him that just like didn't have that internal drive. Like he knew what he kind of wanted and knew what he was supposed to do, but he couldn't get himself to that point on his own. And that's what you see him struggle with for the next couple of seasons. Like that's why Caitlin was so annoyed in this episode because Caitlin saw it as a larger overarching issue that he didn't have that drive. Rob didn't have that drive. And Chris kind of saw it in the way of like, oh, when he figures it out, he'll figure it out. It's not a big deal. Like he can do whatever he wants until then. Yeah. I mean, you know, potentially one of the more interesting parts of this entire episode, since there really, like we said, was not much there was just the disconnect between Caitlin and Chris in terms of approaching Rob, because I don't know if that is necessarily representative of the differences in the way that they parent all of their children. Like, I don't have an intimate enough knowledge to know how Caitlin was with her other kids if they were in a similar situation, if, you know, if she would have handled it in that same way, meaning Brandon, Brody, and them. But I think so much of Caitlin's frustration really more so came from how Chris was handling this. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, just one more thing to mention here, because this is something that we see throughout. Not one time throughout this episode was Rob frustrated with Caitlin from the perspective of, you're not even my dad. Why do you feel that you have this kind of control over me? Or why do you have such a strong opinion? That never once came into the equation, at least on camera. No, never once. And I actually was going to say that too, where 
it's not that I think any of them would have ever had that perspective of like, you can't tell me what to do because I think they all, as you can see, respected Caitlin enough to never kind of pull that card out. But it would have been really easy for Rob to say like, but my mom says it's fine. Like my mom is saying it's okay. And never once does Rob, again, seemingly on camera, things off camera could have happened differently. But never once does Rob kind of default to that point of like, but my mom says it's okay. Like I don't have to listen to you because my mom is saying it's fine. Right. And I wonder if any of that came from the fact that, you know, Rob was living in their house. It wasn't just Chris's house, even though, as we talked about last week, in a lot of ways it was. You know, technically, Caitlin is paying the bills partially, and Rob is, quote, under her roof, which is, I know, you know, a saying that you hear from your parents a lot growing up. But Caitlin did have more of a reason to be annoyed because it was also her space that Rob was encroaching on. Right, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, that's really the extent of anything worthy to talk about in this episode. The next one is when they had that celebrity boxing tournament for charity, and it was Kim, Scott, Rob, and Caitlin all boxing, which I, when this episode came on, it really ignited for me how memorable this was at the time. Like when I think back on Kardashians, even though nothing really crazy happened here, I probably would have pinpointed this as one of the episodes I remembered the most because it was just such a big deal at the time. Totally. It was a huge deal. I remember this episode extremely well too. I think also a lot of it came from, you know, this was when they're starting to make that transition of it's not just Kim. You know, yes, Kim is the most famous, but the Kardashians as a family are also starting to build a lot of fame and notoriety. And yes, in the scheme of things, is this boxing event super glamorous? No. But at the time, they were all famous enough that people wanted to fight them. And so I remember thinking when I watched this the first time that that was a big deal. Yeah, it was the first time that I felt like the entire family was marketable as a family. Like not just like Kim Kardashian and her sisters, not just like Olympian Caitlyn Jenner. It was all of them. And so to market it as a family event, I was like, oh, this is a very big deal. Well, you also see when they're walking into the event how Kim kind of makes the comment of the sign, like, ooh, Kardashian, you know, boxing tournament. I think it wasn't that common at this time to have so many events as a family. And I think Kim started to realize, you know, wait a second, we have something here. It's not just me. Yeah, totally. But anyway, we're not going to do this one scene by scene either. Like I said, we'll focus the most on episode eight. But really where this originates from is that Caitlin had this event where she was being honored by the Boys and Girls Club and none of the siblings showed up. And I think that not only was kind of Caitlin hurt by that on a personal level, but I think also she had made it a point in her life and her career to make it known that charity is incredibly important to her. And I think there was like an optics thing at play also of, listen, as we're building this level of fame, and this level of money, we have to make sure that we are giving back and giving back publicly. Right. Definitely. Which obviously makes a lot of sense and is completely accurate and a great point. But even still, I know that they were kind of at the point where they would do anything for fame. I'm still a little surprised that they went through with this. Like Kim, especially, I am very surprised that she was willing to get into a ring. I'm shocked too, just from the sheer fact of like this boxing thing just isn't their thing. But as I was watching it back and I definitely didn't have this realization the first time, but as I was watching it this time, I was like, this is probably at the height of when they were like their most hated. 
Like, this is probably the height of people being like, why are the Kardashians everywhere? I don't care about them. I don't want to see them anywhere. They're famous for doing nothing. Like, there was a lot of anger towards the fact that they were famous at this time. So the decision to have strangers fight them was very strange to me. And that thought process I had occurred way before Chris got to the point after the Rob fight where she was like, no, these people are here to fight us, not just to, like, fight in a celebrity, like, boxing tournament. Oh, yeah. I mean, you saw the kind of pure enjoyment on these people's faces, even just at the idea that they were going to box the family, even at the press conference before the fight took place, it was, <laughs> they were going in with the mission. They wouldn't have been there if the opponents weren't the Kardashians. Right. It was just so strange to me to be like, hmm, we're one of the more hated families in America right now. What should we offer the strangers a chance to do? I know, beat us the fuck up. Right, especially when you're Kim and your face is your biggest moneymaker. Right. The other well, thing- Well, second that I'm, biggest. I second would argue ass, ass over face. Second biggest, yeah. I mean, the other thing about this is it's very similar to how we talk about Kim and Kanye's relationship about how you know, when they first got together, he said to her, you don't have to do this for some of these, I guess you could call them more lower brow ad deals that she felt she had to do because she couldn't turn down the money. This to me is- very similar, meaning one or two seasons later, I would say even one season, there is no way that Kim would have gone into the ring. It was definitely only at this particular point in her fame where she felt she maybe still needed to. Thank you so much for saying that because I'm laughing so hard right now because I just remember my favorite line from this episode is when Caitlin first presents them with this idea to do the boxing tournament and Kim is obviously so against it and she's like no I can't do that I'm my Carl's Jr. commercial yes exactly <laughs> she's like I cannot have a bruised face for my Carl's Jr. commercial I was like oh my god god forbid but by the way that's a, such a valid point but to hear Kim say her Carl's Jr. commercial actually took something out of me I know as the end-all be-all I mean I, I miss that. I miss that excitement because it's not, you know, that work ethic. Obviously, right now we recognize how like more lower stakes those things were than the stuff that she does now. But the work ethic has always stayed consistent. It's very much the same. But I, I guess I just sometimes miss the excitement that we felt from her surrounding these things. You know, I we don't get that now. I feel like Skims doing the Olympics and having Kate Moss be the face of Skims was the first time in a little while where I felt that from Kim. Right. You know? I was just going to say the Olympics felt like a really big deal to me. Yeah. And it's not that I ever feel she comes across as entitled or unappreciative, but I guess you just get so used to some of these things. I think the thing with the family businesses, all of them, is not just it's not when they do something that's so large scale that catches me off guard. Like they've done a lot of major, major things and worked with major people. It's things like the Olympics and Kate Moss where it's like the respect that they earn and on a massive scale of people who normally wouldn't have given them that level of respect and notoriety and fame and using their products and things that are as big of a deal as the Olympics or as big of a deal in the modeling world as having Kate Moss model for you. Those are the things that really catches me off because I still don't expect people who are like higher up people or people with a different type of fame or a different um, like view of the Kardashians to incorporate them in such major ways. That is exactly how I felt. And I, as you were talking, was trying to think of other examples because you don't really see it much with Chloe and with Courtney. Just 
again, like just to be totally honest, I feel like we more so see it as it applies to Kim because even, I mean, I guess a little bit with Kendall, right? But with the exact example that we're talking about, I think I see the most with Kim. Yeah, Kim definitely the most. And that's with all of her things. That includes Vogue cover, Met Gala, all of those things. That's why it's such a big deal when she does those things because I think that if you're looking at it, it's like, okay, she is one of the absolute most famous people in the world. Obviously, she's going to have all of these opportunities afforded to her. Obviously, she's going to be able to do all these things that normal people would just never, ever get the chance to do. But I think what people forget in that conversation is because they were looked down upon in so many different ways and their fame was looked at so differently that the ability to do these things and the opportunity were not always a given. And you could see that with different celebrities where you look at people like Addison Rae, for example. Addison Rae is one of the biggest celebrities right now, literally a household name at this point. But if she was doing things like Vogue, the cover of Vogue, you would be like, holy shit, that is an insane thing because you would never have expected her to get to that point in terms of respect in the industry. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely not received in the same way because I think that people kind of recognize it a lot more as a numbers game in terms of what I'm about to say. Kind of similar energy to Charlie D'Amelio doing the Louis Vuitton campaign with Emma, Emma Chamberlain. I mean, I don't think anybody expected that initially Charlie would land something like Louis Vuitton. Again, I don't think it was received as positively because people felt that there was still a disconnect. However, it did elevate her. And I think, you know, people did have that moment of like, wow, she's commanding more respect in this world of fashion than we had ever anticipated. I totally agree. But again, you hit on a key point, which is the difference of then the next step, which is like, okay, how it's how is it received? Do people understand why this is? Do people get that it's a big deal? Or do people just assume that whatever this brand is working with this specific celebrity is doing so because it's a viral moment or because they actually fit into the brand. And that's the next step after of the public reaction. So it is, it's really interesting to explore like, okay, you have this level of respect. You are now being taken seriously. Does the rest of the world agree with that? And I think Kim still struggles with that. I don't think Kim has fully grasped or gotten to the point where the rest of the world is on board. No, of course not. And I don't think, you know, she ever will be at a certain level, but way, way more than than she was. Because the other thing is, and I know this is kind of not really what our conversation is because we're talking less about, you know, their actual products, but just follow my thought process for a second here. If if Skims itself wasn't such a well-liked brand and the products weren't actually good and you didn't actually try in that underwear and go, oh shit, I understand why everybody is raving about this, the response to them doing the Olympics would have also been handled so much worse. Whereas if you've worn Skims pajamas in the way that I have, or if you've worn some of their items, you get why you would want the most comfortable item on your body. And so you have to like kind of respect the product in this example to then respect the mission. (laughs) You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yes. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which 
I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. In terms of this event, I mean, if you guys watched it, it kind of got intense. Caitlin won. Rob really got beat up. I mean, his face mask was coming off. It was a whole situation. And you saw... What I liked about this was you watched the way that the siblings and Chris got really, really riled up. Like their just protectiveness over their little brother shot out and they were not here for it. Oh, yeah. And the only other thing, you know, to mention from this episode was at the end, they randomly go to dinner for Caitlin's 60th birthday and Bert and Brandon are there too. And Kim is saying that her first memory of Caitlin was at her 11th birthday And she's kind of just saying how she remembered thinking it was so cool that Caitlin's kids were also coming and, you know, she had four new brothers and sisters and it was the best way to kind of kick off all of them meeting. And just at the time, you know, when she's 11, they all thought each other were so cool. And then you hear Brandon chime in and he's saying that Chris and Caitlin did a really good job at crossing the families and that they'll always remain family. And he's really appreciative of this, which I just thought it was such a random moment. I mean, it was one scene out of the entire episode, but we didn't get to see that much of their interaction. And so I thought it was sweet. It was very sweet, but also super, super interesting because that was kind of your first taste besides Brody coming over to babysit that one time. This was kind of your first taste at, or your first look into what the dynamic was like between Caitlin's kids and Chris's kids. And at this dinner, they paint this like very picturesque blended family And that's your impression at the time. And as the episodes go on and on and on, you see there is so much tension there. And what Brandon describes in that scene as feeling like they were mixed really well, that's not necessarily the case as the episodes go on and the story starts to unfold a little bit. Well, I mean, I don't know if you were having a similar experience, but when I was watching this, all I could think about was the episode from many more seasons later on when I guess they're maybe in Greece, I want to say they're on that boat and Brody is kind of just voicing his frustrations about Chris to Chris. And I was like contrasting the two in my mind because, you know, it seemed as though, at least from what Brody has always said, that they harbored a lot of resentment towards Chris for kind of what they perceived to be a lack of inclusion. Right. And I think what they end up working out in that episode is that Brody comes to realization or Brody has this moment of understanding where it wasn't necessarily Chris's fault. A lot of that blame fell on Caitlin and the parent that Caitlin was at the time versus the parent that Caitlin was once Kendall and Kylie were born and Caitlin was closer with the girls and Rob. And I think that a lot of the resentment stemmed from that. And they kind of have this realization moment where Brody had been putting so much of his anger on Chris when really the blame was to be put more on Caitlin than anything else. 
Totally. And I don't know if you caught this or if I'm making something up that just wasn't there, but when Brandon is saying how, you know, he thanks Chris and Caitlin for doing a really good job of crossing them, I felt like he paused for a second because I think he wanted to say, you know, we'll always remain family no matter what, or even if, and then he stopped, you know, we'll always remain family and I'm appreciative of that or whatever it is. I don't have the exact quote, which to me for a second, I was like, was that foreshadowing a divorce or were you saying like, even if you guys don't make it, we'll always be family. And then I didn't know if I was just looking into something that wasn't there. No, I thought that too. And then I was wondering what their relationship is like now. And Oh, you mean Brandon and the families? Yeah. Brandon, Brody and the family. To me, it's a lot more interesting to wonder what it is with Kendall and Kylie than it is with the other siblings. Yeah. That's a really good point. I'm really curious about that. They never talk about them. No, they don't. And, and they're fully half siblings, not even step siblings. And they, it, that is really interesting. They never talk about them. I don't think Kylie's ever posted like a Brandon or a Brody happy birthday. She may have. I don't, I don't know if I was paying close enough attention. I just, I feel like specifically Kendall and Brody, for some reason, I feel like would have a little bit of crossover. I don't know. I feel like their friends seem to cross over in some way or they run in circles that would cross over in terms of like their, nightlife activities. Well, right. And and obviously Brody is, I think, pretty like Malibu centric. Right. I don't know. I, I, I do wonder that. Wow. I'm so interested in that now. We'll add that to the list of questions. Wait, I just want to look at one thing. Does Kylie even follow them? I don't know. Yeah, she does. Both of them? Yeah. Yeah. But like- they Literally never talk about each other. You're, now I'm like really like interested in this. Hypothetically speaking, even though as you were looking, I was expecting the answer to be yes. If it was no, I wouldn't think it was the craziest thing ever at all. No, I wouldn't either because Kylie only follows 78 people. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's nice to see them following all the siblings. Okay. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) Okay. The one last thing to just touch on from this episode is that Courtney is probably seven or eight months pregnant at this point. And you know, they're starting to have that panic of we're about to have a child and we don't necessarily have that much experience taking care of a baby or children in general. And so one of Chris's friends comes over with her three children. One is a baby. The other two are a little bit older. And Courtney kind of sets up this day of her and Scott babysitting in her mind because she feels that they both need practice, but specifically Scott and that it'll be really good for him. And what we see as this episode progresses is that Scott actually seems to have a little bit of an easier time taking care of the kids than Courtney. And I think for her, it started out as something that was relatively harmless. And I think at the end, it ended up causing her a little bit more anxiety because she felt so drastically underprepared. First of all, before we were going to do the third episode of this series, I was like, you know what? We'll just spend the entire time talking about Scott being the best babysitter ever. Right? And Again, this is the whole confusion in the show is that every single episode, every single one, you get a different version of Scott. The last episode, it was the absolute worst version of himself. This episode, it's like he is the best babysitter. He is so good with the kids. You see him in the best possible light. And then when Courtney's freaking out, he says all of the right things to her. He's such a calming presence. He's so excited about the kids coming It is the most inconsistent thing maybe ever. I think we said this last week. I don't know if we ended up keeping it in, but how they really just expect us to 
flip-flop as much as they do because we did. We one week were fully on board with thinking that he was the worst guy in the world and the next week we're on board with thinking that he's dad of the year. I think that's why it was so easy for us when Scott kind of came through the other side and was a much better version of himself after having a lot of years of struggling is because it was never just one version of him being a bad version. It was like sometimes you got an amazing Scott and sometimes you got a bad Scott and you never knew what you were going to get in that episode. And sometimes in the course of an episode, you could get amazing and bad Scott. And I think that's why it was so easy because you were always aware of the good side of him and you were just waiting for that to be the side that was the overarching thing instead of the side of him that wasn't so great. I think so too. And and you know, he really did himself a favor there by showing some of his best sides early on because we always had that knowledge even when the going got rough. Yeah. It was very um I felt honest. I mean, even if you want to say that this particular plot line was of course scripted and very production heavy that they had these three random kids come over. Yes, of course. But I thought that Courtney's reaction was very honest because I can imagine that panic being real, you know, and, and unfortunately the feeling of inadequacy, I think was overwhelming her. And of course, you know, we watch this now with such like a lighthearted view because we know how phenomenal of a mother she is and how being a mother is such a large part of her identity, but she was scared shitless to be quite Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was a very beautiful moment when he came to comfort her because he basically said, you know, listen, if I didn't handle them in the best way and I was feeling like you were feeling, I would hope that you would come to me with the same compassion that I'm coming to you. And that was very telling. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny watching Scott with the kids in that scene because exactly how he was with them chasing them around the house and being like really goofy and funny in the way he spoke to them is exactly how he is with his kids. I know. I guess that happens though, that the way that you are in general, your natural instinct towards children a lot of times is then mirrored when you have your own. Well, I think that's exactly what was happening in this episode was that like Scott's ability to be with kids kicked in like as soon as he was with them, like he just, and I'm sure he's had experiences with kids in the past, but as soon as he was with those kids, even though they weren't his, that way he was just kicked in. And I think the opposite of that was with Courtney was like, she expected right away, oh, anytime I'm around kids, my maternal instinct is just going to kick in. And it was a difference of like, no, it kind of took my own kid to make that happen. It's going to happen. I'm going to be prepared to be a mom and that will happen, but it's not just going to happen because there are kids around. Whereas with Scott, it kind of kicked in in that way. Completely, completely. And I think she was a little bit thrown off by that. Yeah, absolutely. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 
30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. So episode eight, we'll go a little bit more in depthly on this one. I don't know if we'll do a full scene by scene. We'll kind of see how it goes. But the two main plot lines here are obviously what we spoke about earlier with Kendall and Kylie. And we see really the start of Kendall's modeling career and how that definitely brings out some jealousy in Kylie and just how that all plays itself out. And then the second plot line is that, like we said in the last episode, you know, Courtney is probably one month away from giving birth. And I think aside from the nerves she has regarding the baby, she's also having that realization of like, my time as I knew it with my sisters will just never be the same. And so her wanting to spend some quality time with Kim and Chloe and just seeing how (laughs) that kind of goes to shit rapidly. Right. So the first scene we see Courtney, Kim and Chloe, they're in Mason's room. And this is when they make the decision they're going to go on a girl's trip together. But I think just in general, watching both of them, specifically Kim, realize how real this is and how there's actually going to be a baby very soon. On one hand, it's so much excitement for Courtney, but on the secondary thing here is again for Kim, it's just this constant reminder that it's not her. Right. Always. And I think honestly, Chloe, you know, not that she wanted a kid at this moment, but this was definitely a direction she wanted to go pretty soon, probably. Yeah, I think the difference was with Chloe, it was like, okay, this is, I see what I want. Like, I see this is like, I want to have a house and I want this room to be in a house and I want to be expecting a baby and I want this life for myself as well. For Kim, it was more like, oh God, this is far away and I don't want it to be far away. Right, exactly. It was, I mean, just factually, she was less on this track than Chloe was. Although I'm sure being back with Reggie at this point was making her a little more calm about the baby coming. Yeah. And the irony of all of it is that she ended up having North before her and Kanye were married. Right. The first real scene is Kendall, Chris, and Caitlin. And this is when Kendall comes in to show them this book that she made of all of her modeling photos. And in her confessional, she's saying that since she was seven, she always dreamed of modeling and she wanted to put this book together to show Chris. And you see, you know, I think Chris is really not only excited about it, but also proud that Kendall took the initiative to do this herself. And Kylie is watching from the side and I felt like her jealousy or just her frustration with this whole situation was palpable. This episode was Kylie's like Joker origin story. Yes. There's this one moment when Chris is flipping through the book and she's like, oh, Kendall, you look like Kim here. And Kylie immediately is like, Kendall does not look like Kim. Did you catch that? That's exactly what I was just going to say to you where I thought that was so unbelievably hysterical because- to, to say you look like one of the siblings should not have been as big of a deal as it was to Kylie in that moment. It was what it symbolized. It's so funny. Like if I was Kim and somebody got so offended by thinking that somebody looked like me because they were so unbelievably jealous, I would be like, wow, that is the nicest thing anyone's ever said in my life. Oh, it was unintentionally the biggest compliment she's ever given Kim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Chris is saying to Kendall, okay, well, we'll get this set up. We'll start, you know, putting meetings together. And Kylie says, and I quote, if you want to help her model, you can help her model, but it's just going to go to her head. And then all of us are going to be in her little throne path and listening to her. We're going to be like, oh my God, you're right. You're like the coolest in the family because you modeled when you were 14. 
Kylie is such a fucking youngest child. It's unbelievable. She was not having this. I just felt as much as obviously I watched this and I recognized that, you know, she was being out of line. It's like, I really felt for her here because this is also at a time in their lives when you're maybe never more insecure, or uncomfortable with your growing body than at the age that they both were, you know? And so it was like all of her insecurities within herself directly being projected. And I just felt sad for her. No, I did too. Anyway, we go back to Santa Barbara, which is where Kim, Chloe, and Courtney decided to go. We don't really need to do this part of the episode scene by scene, but basically, you know, I think they all, three of them were having a little bit of trouble transitioning of like, the way that we used to vacation can't be the way that we do it now. And even something as simple as they want to do horseback riding. And obviously Courtney's doctor says there's no way she can do that. So Chloe and Kim go anyway, which in retrospect was totally the wrong move, but I think none of them knew how to play it. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about this episode that I was thinking about is obviously we have had so many conversations about the dynamic between the three of them now and how Kim and Chloe have gotten so close and the dynamic really shifted from Courtney and Chloe to Kim and Chloe. I don't think that's necessarily the case having watched this back. I think that Chloe and Kim were always specifically really close and I'm realizing that now like they always had this very very close dynamic that you saw in the show whereas Kim and Courtney kind of the were the ones that always fought more. And what I think happened wasn't that Kim and Chloe never necessarily got closer than they ever were. I just think that Chloe and Courtney specifically drifted apart a little, and that really highlighted the relationship between Chloe and Kim that already existed. Oh, interesting. I don't know if I view it that way, but that's an interesting thing. As you watch these episodes, there's a lot of Chloe and Kim scenes where you can see they specifically have that same very fun, very loving dynamic and Chloe brings out a really fun side of Kim that Courtney just doesn't. I know, but I think that I I can't help but feel that some of it can be attributed to the way that Chloe has changed over the years in terms of her and Kim's relationship getting a little bit closer. No, I think so too. But I think the way that we have been thinking about it was a lot more like Courtney and Chloe were the dynamic duo. Kim was kind of off to the side. And once things kind of changed between Courtney and Chloe and Chloe changed some things as well internally, like her and Kim got closer and kind of drifted away from Courtney. I don't think that's the case. I think it's much more because Courtney and Chloe didn't have that same dynamic. The dynamic that Chloe already had existing with Kim just elevated. And then, you know, to add on top of that is when we talk about this a lot, once they all became parents and Chloe and Kim's parenting style, I think was a little bit more similar as they've spoken about that on some level, I think contributed. Oh, absolutely. So back to Kendall and Kylie, they're at the house. It's Kendall, Kylie, Chris, and Caitlin. And Chris comes in saying that she spoke to Wilhelmina and they would love to have a meeting with Kendall. And she says in her confessional, you know, I spent the last two days calling everybody I know so that I can make sure that I set Kendall up with the best modeling agency possible. This is actually a really big deal, and I'm so surprised it's happening so fast for her. And, you know, this is probably the most expected thing ever. When Chris shares this news, you see Caitlin kind of freak out saying, Kendall's only 14. And I think, honestly, understandably so, given some of the stuff with Kim and the older sisters, like, just has a little bit of that concern. And Chris is saying, it's a good, wholesome modeling agency. She could gain a lot of experience. It's not like a Victoria's Secret commercial. I mean, come on. Which 
the foreshadowing there? Unbelievable, I know. Unbelievable, right? Absolutely. I do understand Caitlin's concern here because obviously there is a lot of issues within modeling and things that have happened that Caitlin is obviously very aware of. So for her 14-year-old daughter to be like, I want to be a model and just get everything set up without there being a conversation first about like, okay, we have to set boundaries here and make sure those boundaries are very strong in place. I completely understand Caitlin's hesitancy. Yeah. I mean, listen, throughout the series, there are definitely times where Caitlin is freaking out about something that doesn't need to be freaked out about. But this was something where I think her just momentary concern was valid. Oh, absolutely. And she definitely didn't freak out in the way that she totally could have and then ended up switching the conversation more to being about the dynamic between Kylie and Kendall, which was also incredibly understandable given how it played out. Well, so Chris asked Kylie, Kylie, aren't you excited for your sister? And Kylie says, yeah. Chris goes, it's going to be really great. I think you're going to be an amazing model because you're like 32 feet tall. So what's not to love? And this is when Caitlin asks Kendall and Kylie to leave the room for a second because she wants to talk to Chris. And Chris is like, oh God, what did I do now? And Caitlin goes, I'm concerned of how they're going to handle it. Remember a million years ago when Kimberly did that commercial? And Caitlin in her confessional says, back in the old days when Kimberly got into modeling, Courtney was so competitive. I mean, these two girls would go after each other. I don't want that to happen to Kendall and Kylie. And Chris is kind of saying, you know, she doesn't think that's going to be the case. Caitlin is obviously a little bit more concerned about that. And Chris goes, finally, a kid that can pay for her own college. Caitlin goes, now she'll probably spend it on a car. (laughs) I thought that was very funny. Yeah, but also it, it was such a valid concern. And I think that, you know, from Caitlin's perspective, she probably feels as though she has an ability to intervene sooner than she ever did with the others. And so she wants to kind of nip this in the bud. Yeah, absolutely. And I so get that. I do too. Chris, I think, was so excited about the opportunity that she wasn't understanding like the potential conflict that could arise. And I also think that Caitlin was logical about it. Like she knew that she wasn't going to stop Kendall from modeling just because a sibling rivalry could occur because Kylie's feelings could be really hurt or jealousy could arise, whatever. But she just wanted Chris to think like, okay, this is a great thing, but there's other things that are going to come up that we're going to have to be aware of and on top of. Doing your hair has the potential to be such a time-consuming process if you're not using products that really work for you, honestly really work with you. And for me, I'd say generally speaking, my hair is pretty easy to manage, but it does get frizzy. I have a lot of split ends. So I'm always looking for things to manage the frizz. And recently I've been into a new product from Way. It's their anti-frizz cream. So it's a really lightweight cream. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours and also heat protection up to 450 degrees. You're kind of killing two birds with one stone. Then the thing I really like about it is that it helps reduce and repair split ends while quenching dry hair with intense hydration. So you can feel like it just feels good on your hair. For me, I get out of the shower. I always spray in the leave-in conditioner. I've told you guys about that before, but I love it. A little anti-frizz cream and you're good to go. I also, I mean, I love a lot of things from Way, but I like their detox shampoo. I don't use that every week, maybe once a week, maybe once every other week, but I feel like it gives my hair a really, really good clean. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code CELEBS for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code CELEBS. We kind of went over the Chloe Kim and Courtney plotline, but throughout this, obviously, we're flashing back to them in Santa Barbara. And the simplest way I can put it is they are just not vibing. And 
honestly, when I watched this back, I think it was on Chloe and Kim for not understanding that it didn't really matter what they wanted to do. Like, Courtney was about to have a kid. Oh, it was 100% on on Chloe and Kim. Courtney just wanted to be get together. Like, she just wanted to do things that involved all three of them. It almost didn't matter what, as long as all three of them could participate. And it was a concept that was very lost on Chloe and Kim at the time. Totally. So next scene, we see Kendall and Chris go to Wilhelmina for this interview. And, you know, listen, Kendall has been very open about her social anxiety and at times just being really shy in, in certain scenarios. And I thought that she was seemingly very confident and she was not afraid to kind of advocate for herself. And it's crazy that they have this on camera. I mean, this was like, yeah, this was all staged for the show kind of, but technically this was the start of her modeling career. No, it's absolutely unbelievable when you think about it. And I bet it's so funny for Kendall to look back on it because obviously she is so adorable and cute in the moment. But you know that like thing where even when you're older and you look back on the things you said when you were 13 and 14 and you just have to cringe, even though you know it's not a reflection of you anymore, like you can't even be embarrassed because you were so young to hear her say in this meeting, like, yeah, even when we take family photos, I'm always just so excited. Like, I'm like, oh my God, there's no way she doesn't watch that and just like cringe at being like a cute little 14 year old. I know. And honestly, like in the in the giant scheme of things, the fact that she has this on video is amazing and so special. She'll show her kids. But also, no matter how old you get, there's that little thing inside of you of like, oh my God, I cannot believe these years of my life were recorded. I wish this never happened. Yeah. I could not watch a single thing of myself from this age for sure. For sure. I couldn't. I, w- I would never have had the... I mean, maybe at the time I would have been willing for it to be filmed, but I don't know because I just think no matter... Even if you're the coolest kid around, you're inherently a little bit awkward at this age. Oh, I was more than a little awkward. <laughs> so next scene, Kendall and Chris are in the kitchen. And this is when Kylie comes in saying that she made a book of pictures for Chris. And it's so it's so sad because clearly this moment was about Kendall and needed to be about Kendall. But you can see that Kylie was really struggling with that. And she didn't even go and do something else to get Chris's attention. She literally mimicked the exact same thing. And I'm sure watching this back, talk about a, a cringeworthy moment for her, you know? She was such a typical youngest child. This was, if you had a playbook of youngest child's moves, this would have been like page one. So Chris goes, well, before we look at your book of pictures, can you ask your sister how her meeting was today? We're so excited. Kylie goes, well, you don't want to pay attention to my book like you did to Kendall's. Kendall says, she's just trying to take my shine and that's not even cool. Kylie goes, I wanted to model the day you started wanting to model. And they just start screaming at each other. Kylie starts yelling at Chris. Caitlin comes in and is like, you know what? It's not your day, but your day will come. And Kylie goes, you guys always favor Kendall and it's so annoying. She throws the book at Chris and she walks out. Very dramatic, but also this was not overly theatrical. I think this went down exactly as it did. Yeah, no, I promise you this was exactly how it went down based on the you always favor Kendall fight. And you know what, Kylie? In terms of your day coming, maybe you won't be a model, but in terms of being favored, you're going to be so happy in a couple of years. I know. Seriously. I mean, even just in terms of – I'm not saying any of this is rooted in reality, but just in terms of the public's perception of Chris and Kylie's relationship. Like, I know that's not the biggest thing here. Obviously, we're talking about the success and the monetary success and all of that. But just on like a very basic level, think about when we think of who Chris is closest with, I feel like we always think Kim and Kylie. Oh, yeah. Because we always 
Well, first of all, specifically with Kylie, we always go back to the way that Kylie is with Chris and how she's so specifically softer with Chris than everyone else. And Chris really brings out that side of her. But it it is interesting to watch the fights unfold within the family where they're always pointing fingers at who's the favorite. Kendall's name rarely comes up in conversation for being the favorite. And not that she's not. It's just never the one that's thrown around. So I was like, oh, it's really nice to see Kendall get picked for a change. It was funny thinking back to the most recent Andy Cohen special when she said that Kendall's the easiest to work with. Right. Kendall is so easy in that regard. She always has been. You can tell. And even in this, when she wanted to start modeling, like, it wasn't a conversation of, like, I need to do this in this specific way and I'm only doing it like this. And it was like, Chris had set up these meetings and Kendall was in it and more than happy to be participating and doing exactly what she needed to do. Yeah, totally. And, you know, we see in the later scene, remember when uh, Kim takes Kendall to New York and she kind of isn't behaving in the way that she'd want her to. And we see that happen very minimally. But just in general, like I said earlier, her career path was far less random. It was a little bit more of the straight and narrow. It is funny watching her like at the very start of this, because I think when you were watching at the time, you probably assumed like, oh, she'll do this little modeling thing. It's something that she wants to do at 14. Like that's really cute of her to want to do. But for her to really start at this young of an age, her first campaign or her first shoot is, as we get into later, occurs in this episode. And then she just sticks with it. She never wavers from it. She never deviates from this plan. It's just really unbelievable to watch for somebody to think of at such a young age. Yeah. And I mean, listen, obviously this episode brings up the conversation that is had constantly. And she spoke about in the Andy special, which we've had a million times. We don't need to get into so much about how her family helped or hurt her. And obviously the the public's opinion is that it really did help her. She feels at times that it actually limited her because she was taken less seriously. All of that aside, I don't take away anything that she got for her work ethic and herself and the fact that she knew she wanted to do this. But just if you take this one episode 95% of people that look exactly the way that Kendall looks and have the same drive, they don't have parents that can just call up Lamina and have a meeting the next day, you know? And so not to take anything away from Kendall, but Chris's connections just for the very start can't be lost in all of this. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, so when they come back from Santa Barbara, Kim is talking to Kylie and, you know, Kylie's saying she didn't go to her friend's house because she's grounded and they get into the conversation. and. Kim goes, she does not favor Kendall. Everyone in this family always thinks that mom favors someone else. We always fight. We always make up. It doesn't mean you don't love your sisters. When I was doing the perfume, Chloe wanted one, but it just so happened that they gave me the deal. Chloe would never not want me to do my perfume. And in her confessional, Kylie's saying that, you know, it makes her feel better that the other sisters have also been competitive, especially with work stuff. And Kim goes, I remember my first runway show. Courtney and Chloe were right in the front row. Chloe always wanted to be a model, you know? I'm sure she wanted to do it, and she was in the front row standing up cheering for me, and that's what you should do for Kendall. Which was, I thought, a really, like, sweet moment. I really like the moments between the older sisters and the younger ones. Yeah, but I like it especially with Kim because this was such a specific role. It wasn't just, you know, yes, it was your normal, quote, sisterly stuff, but it directly applied to jealousy among career things, and Kim could understand it from being in Kendall's perspective. Oh, absolutely. I did think it was funny to send Kim in as the representative of mom doesn't have favorites. Right. I know. I'm like, sorry that I'm so pretty. Yeah. (laughs) This is the moment that Kylie should have told Kim how mad she got at Chris for saying that Kendall looked like her. 
Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> I just know that right after we record this, we're going to tell Isabel that this is going to be our new running joke for a little while. I'm so excited for it to be. We love consistent running jokes that we beat the absolute shit out of. There's nothing better, truly, truly. Anyway, so it ends with Kendall's shoot for Forever 21, and they all come in. Kylie's really excited. She comes in. She apologizes. And it's it's just a sweet moment. And it ends with Courtney's confessional saying, I'm not afraid of change anymore. I think the change can be good, and my sisters and I will always have each other. We're sisters. We'll be together forever. Which, of course, she was talking more so about her situation with Kim and Chloe, but it was kind of just representative of this entire thing. What a beautiful episode. It ended up working out beautifully, yes. I love an episode where they fight and then it ends in a full house moment. It always does. It's it's the best structure of an episode. It's the most classic structure, I should say. It is the most classic. I I would love nothing more than for Kylie to do, you know, one of those like Harper's or GQ 10-minute interviews where she watches back this scene, the scene specifically when she brought the book in with Kendall. Oh my God, she would not be able to. I think she would fucking lose it, right? She wouldn't be able to. Yeah. I don't blame her. (laughs) I do not blame her literally at all. No one, no one should have to watch themselves be a brat at 13. (laughs) Anything else you want to mention? I think that's it, kid. Okay. I think so too. We'll see you guys. Well, Isabel and I will see you later this week for Bravo. Julie and I will see you next week for our regular episode. And we love you. Thank you for listening. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like, You shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.